0: Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your
1: co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. When Becca's third daughter was born in 2013, she made the bold move to spend less time traveling and more time at home. After she bought her first rehab, which was a hoarder house, she was hooked. In her first year, she flipped three houses. Her second year, she flipped six. And now she's on track to flip 15 and wholesale over 50 deals. On today's episode, we cover a lot with Becca, including how to get over the fear of your first flip, how to structure partnerships, how to effectively scale your business, and the best apps to create a work-life balance. Welcome back, ladies, to the Real Estate Investors Show. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Super excited to have you back on our show for this week. Hi, Becca. How are you? Hey,
0: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to jumping into Becca's story and all the wonderful things she's going to share with us today. But before we do so, we just want to thank all the ladies for being on Uh, as listeners and just supporters and just really excited about this growing investor community of just rock star ladies making things happen in real estate and and in their lives. So that's very cool. But Andresa, what's happening for you as we we jump in today's episode?
2: You know what? I was thinking the other day about like back in the day, I was very proud to, you know, say I am a perfectionist. (laughs) Super proud, like super proud. That's who I am. And I thought that that was actually like, not like my weaknesses. That was, I saw that as a strength. And then, you know, as you go in real estate, you you figure it out that 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 doesn't serve you. You, It just, it just will hold you back to that illusion that that such a thing exists. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you're going to do a bad job or cut corners. That's not the point. But you've got to focus on the bigger picture or even in 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 real estate in the podcast that we are doing the community that we are doing different ladies are messaging me privately and sharing their struggles and everything and i encourage them share within the community and their concern is but i'm not really ready how about (laughs) if i say something wrong i was like listen English is not my first language. You know how many grammar mistakes I make during the podcast? <laughs> Tons. When I listened to myself, I was like, oh my gosh. So, but regardless of that, regardless of how I speak, how I write, how I, the focus is on getting things done and connecting with our values and focusing on our goals. So that's what I wanted to share. Like, I'm not a perfectionist anymore.
1: I heard it once. Perfectly put, and I think about this when I get in that space, focus on your progress, not your perfection. You know So just yeah. focus on making progress, not on the doing it perfectly. Yeah. So, so yeah. good stuff. So we'll, we'll keep that as a theme for today, but there we go. Um, <laughs> So Becca, welcome again. Uh, you know just super excited to have you with us and all the ladies listening. So as we, we like to kind of kick things off and, and jump into this conversation, tell us, tell us a little bit about how you came to be getting involved, obviously in flipping and in real estate and just, you know, share a little bit about your story and what, you know, really compelled you to get into this business. Cause there's a lot of reasons we all get in, but what yes. compelled you in particular?
0: Sure. Um, well, I'm excited cause this is like lady centric. So I feel like this will resonate with a lot of people. Um, before I did real estate investing, I was a mechanical engineer and, um, I worked on projects that were all over the U S. So it was a lot of travel involved and leading those projects. And I was eight months pregnant with my third daughter and I have three daughters. They're all two and a half years apart. So I was eight months pregnant with two small children. And I traveled like six out of eight weeks in my third trimester at the beginning of my third (laughs) trimester. And I was like, I love my job, but I was like, I cannot do this. It's just, Crushing me. Um, and it was kind of typical corporate world where you were expected to work, you know, 60, 70 hours a week. Um, and so when I went on maternity leave, my husband and I had always talked about flipping a house. And I was like, You want to flip a house part time, but we already have three kids. So it's like we have full time jobs and full time jobs. And <laughs> you want to add another job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so when I got, when I went on maternity leave, I said, How about, um, I, I try this house flipping thing. I don't want to go back to work. I'd like to be able to spend more time with my kids. And that's, that's how it started. I got my first house. I called it the cat pee hoarder house. Beautiful.
2: Uh, it sounds very interesting. Smells
0: like money. Yes.
2: Yes. Every time I go to a house that smells like cat pee, I was like, this
1: smells money. Very big. <laughs> I like,
2: like the smell.
1: I like yeah. that cap p equals money. I like that. That's a yeah. new way of yeah. thinking about it.
0: Mold mold as well. I like spider it. webs. Ding. <laughs>
1: So tell us about that. So, so here you are, never flipped a house. You're coming from, I would imagine, you know, as a mechanical engineer, you, you've got an analytical mind, I would imagine, mm-hmm. you know, be, yeah. totally assumption, but I would imagine. So you're going in analyzing this thing and you see, you smell, excuse me, cap-y. you see the hoard, you know, the hoard, all the stuff that a hoarder would have. So walk us through that experience. how did you get the deal? How'd you find it? How'd you begin? Just all those kind of beginning steps would be great to hear.
0: Well, first off, I was terrified, right? I think the more analytical you are, the more likely you are to get analysis paralysis so um, but I'm also like, uh, you know sometimes I'll jump off a cliff and build the plane on the way down, so <laughs> <laughs> literally <laughs> literally yeah. and um, I did the things that most people do when they're getting in, right? I was listening to bigger pockets and all kinds of podcasts and reading all everything I get my hands on um, the flipping junkie blog uh, really resonated with me because he details like I think 36 weeks of just him analyzing deals because Danny Johnson is also a uh, engineer <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. we're going to have so, Melissa actually her um his wife on our show yeah. coming up soon so too oh, so we're excited she's
0: the best. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 we're excited um and so I I made the decision to go to a local RIA and I was too scared to go by myself so my neighbor was in between jobs at the time and she i said to her i said hey will you come with me to this meeting i'm a little scared now my husband's gonna stay home with the kids She was like yeah sure so as we're driving to the meeting she's like tell me a little bit about this real estate investing i'm telling her about it we go to the meeting and on the way back she's like would you consider partnering like i think i could do this too and i was like that would be perfect like to me that is kind of the best way to get over that fear is to find someone else to share it with. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Cut the fear in half. You hold exactly. half of it and I hold half of it. There yeah. you go.
0: You hold half, I hold half. So, um, And we ended up, it, it was a great partnership because I was super analytical and um, very organized, like logistics wise, but she would just go out and do stuff. So if I would say here, we both were looking for properties. We both go look at them. And if we found something that seemed like a fit, um, one, either one of us or both of us would go. And she actually found this one on Craigslist. It was like $49,000. Uh, I think the guy had bought it at a tax sale. She went to see it. She's like, it's disgusting, but the price is right. It'll sell for like one um, Let's do it. So we had probably analyzed. I want to say we had looked at like 60, 70 properties. You know, just analyze them, not necessarily mm-hmm. going to visit every single one. And um, we put the offer in with the guy. It turns out he was a wholesaler. I didn't even know what that term was at the time. Um, But he he basically, he bought the property at a tax sale, just did the clean out. Um, So it was disgusting, like hoarder house seriously. And um, sold it to us for 49,000. I think he bought it for like 10. So good job to him for making it or whatever on the, you know, doing the clean out and seeing the potential. And then we put, I think... I don't know. I can't do the math really quick, but we made 38,000 on the deal at the end of the day. It's so great. Put yeah. Like 40 or 50 into it. I
2: want to say. Yeah. Um, those are very realistic numbers. And I think that that's so important to talk about it because sometimes we see on TV or um, those shows <laughs> showing um, like profits of a hundred plus and 200 plus. Don't get me wrong. Those exist. Those are home runs, but we don't do home runs every single time. Mm-hmm. And, We analyze so much. So much. Right? And sometimes I hear people saying, oh, yeah, I saw five already. And I didn't find anything that makes sense. I was like, yeah, keep going because let's set the expectation. So let's analyze online a hundred. And then you eliminate that and you're just going to see on site a third of that, if even. And that might come one or two deals
1: yeah then you're
0: exactly. gonna make, yeah. um yeah. I used to tell people when I was starting or like when they were starting out when people asked me, I say, just tell yourself this you're gonna look at a hundred deals online you'll now you'll wipe out a bunch of those, you'll go see maybe thirty or forty you're gonna put offers in on twenty, and you're gonna get one yeah <laughs>
1: so, yeah, but there's so much gonna, value in that,
2: yes, and you're gonna make around thirty ish thousand depending on how how mm-hmm. the price goes, the price point of course not generalizing things here in California the price points are might be different and everything else, but that that's realistic. If you're gonna make a home run right on the first deal, kudos to you. But those are not realistic expectations to, yeah.
1: to. I mean I think if 30, 000, you know is is a phenomenal return on any flip. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, any flip, let alone, let alone your first one. So so walk us through how you financed it. You had a partner. Was one of you in charge of the financing and the other person was a signer? Like, how did how did you do that? We
0: both had, I had 60,000 saved. I think that was like our investment. So we cashed down all our investments and she had 60,000. So we um, partnered 50-50 and we put, we created an entity. We put our money in, in a bank account in the entity's name and then all the expenses got paid out of that account. So
2: great. That, is, that was pretty good structure for your first deal. Cause I've seen like shaking, let's shake hands here and then. Oh no. There
0: was, there was an operating agreement. Great. Go on like rocket lawyer. Okay. Listeners. <laughs> they have partnership agreements and everything. And they walk you step by step. If you're like too afraid to find an attorney try that
1: first. Well, and when it comes to partnership agreements, I I would, you could certainly look at some stuff online, but you really do, you really do want to, I would suggest have an attorney look at it because, you know, partnerships can go south and they can go south really badly for good, to good people. So, I mean, you know, we've had it happen, you know, in our, in our world. So I think at that point in our business, we got it. We just downloaded well, I, I didn't, but someone I know very close to me that's married to me downloaded it online. Um, <laughs> Throwing him, online. him. <laughs> he doesn't listen to this anyway. Whatever, but he does, but I it, so you you know it's just it <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, so sometimes we want to move so fast, and we do like people, and we connect with them, and we're like, this is not going to go south. But you have to really, really not expected to go bad because that's not the right positive attitude, but you just have to be protecting yourself and put those guardrails in. So you did it great, Becca. You really did it the right way. And I think a lot of people don't. And those sometimes are the ones that just things don't go right. And you start, you're looking at this operating agreement and, you know, we've had our attorney look at certain things and like, who put this together for you? you know, so I, just, I think
0: it's really intimidating to people getting started. The sure. But I do think you made a really good point of sit down with your partner and say, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yes. to handle that. Cause we had talked about, we both put 60,000 in and we said, well, what if we spend more than that? And it's right. like, well, then we're going to both have to put in equal amounts more to the bank account. Or if one person puts in more money, we're going to prorate the ownership of the business entity. Um, that way say, you know, we got to the end of the project and we needed another 15 or 20 grand, and they didn't have the money, then then the person who puts more money in gets rewarded on the profit. If you take a loss, then you're
1: screwed. <laughs> no, that's a yeah. and that's a huge, huge suggestion, Becca, because how many times do you go into these properties? I mean, we've been, you know, we've done a ton of flips over the years and there's still surprises. There's still yeah, you could put a contingency, but there are things that happen that you don't know are going to happen, especially older homes and, yeah. you know, homes that you're kind of and especially in this market, people are so anxious to do deals. They're like, oh, I won't even go into the property. I'll make an offer. I know my numbers. And then they go in like, oh shit, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so just make sure. I love that conversation. What, what happens if something goes wrong? What if we have to put more money in? Because all those things are super realistic. They're not just, they happen occasionally. They happen. They happen often.
2: Mm-hmm. So and, one uh, time, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Becca. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I was just thinking,
0: it reminded me of a guy I know who's in a rental partnership and they're 50, 50 in it. Um, but The properties aren't doing well. And it's been like five years. He's still been putting money in and his partner's just been absent, wow. but the partner's still a 50, 50 owner. And he yeah. wants to sell the properties to just, because he's the one who wants to keep bleeding. Of course. The other guy won't agree to the sales price because he wants more for it. Wow. So Again, like if if this guy was getting prorated ownership based on the money he was putting in, then he would have a majority stake right now. And he could unilaterally make that decision of selling the
1: properties. It's huge.
2: That is, that is great. Another, another time, um, one of our partners said, you know, we don't need this agreement with the, you know, what can happen wrong because you know me, I know you, we've have done deals before, um. I have integrity, so do you. And then I said, here's the point. How about if you died?
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: If I died, how you know how your family has to have rights? My family has to have rights. And and they might not even know that this project exists and they have a right on it. And mm-hmm. so that's the point. Mm-hmm. Let's think like worst case scenario, knock on woods, but how about if something like that happens? How will we will all handle the situation. Is that having an agreement does not mean that I don't trust you. It mm-hmm. means that we are clear, we are crystal mm-hmm. clear, there's no miscommunication, and we will back up if something, if a disagreement happens or something happens. We, the, the, the commitment that we make here will resolve the situation black and white. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of avoid the bleeding that you're saying back, avoid like so many, you know, future conflicts, unnecessary conflicts that my, my rights. Um, Transitioning to where you are now this year, you are looking to flip about 15 properties. Is that correct? Yep. So looking at 15 properties, um, do you, do you, are you own them by yourselves or with partners?
0: So I have a company, but I'm the sole owner. Got it. And the way it's structured is I essentially under that company, there's a construction rehabbing side and a wholesaling side that does marketing and sales. Beautiful. On Pace, I think we'll probably do a total of maybe 70 deals. I mean, we got quite a few wholesales going this year. Um, the way it works is I have a team of five on the wholesale side and I have a construction crew of four. Um, and so I will get loans to my business from either our money lenders or private money lenders. Uh, and that's how we finance stuff.
2: Beautiful. And how were you able to scale? Because when, when, once we are talking like two, three deals, sometimes people call me and say, what's the lockbox of one, two, three main street. I was like, I have no idea. Let me look at my Slack or whatever, but what systems did you put in place that allow you to scale the business to up to this point?
0: Um, hiring someone, probably the hardest, scariest thing was my first hire, but it was just a runner. It was when I had like three or four rehabs going, exactly what you were saying. Or like contractor A needs to be met at this property and contractor B needs to be met over there. And um the first thing I did was hire an assistant to just I I call her my runner. Like okay. put this lockbox on this property, meet this contractor, put a sign in the yard, which freed me up mentally. To do this was before I started marketing and wholesaling so I was spending all basically all my brain power trying to find the next deal and I'm sure you can relate to that yeah, absolutely um, so that was the first thing was hiring someone and the way I looked at it was if I wanted my goal was to do a flip a month and so I would be selling a flip a month theoretically on average and if I was looking to make a minimum of twenty thousand dollars profit my runner, I paid her twenty dollars an hour for twenty hours a week. So that was four hundred dollars a week. Over the course of a month, you're looking at like sixteen hundred to two thousand dollars. So I, I just kind of did the math of if I get a ton of my time back and instead I make eighteen thousand dollars instead of twenty, is that worth it? Oh yeah.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so that and that's now. a great, great way to do it. I mean, you know, you're always looking to I mean, we're in the same boat in a lot of ways, you're expanding your team and figuring things out, but obviously there's a cost and there's a, yeah, how do do we do this? And and that's a great way to say it is not, not can I do it, but how can I, you know, and, and how did you find this person? Was somebody local? Did you put an ad out? Was it a referral? Like, how did you, how did you make that? (laughs) <laughs> Your sister. All right. Well, that's a, that's a good, that's a good first hire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: But if I were going to do it now and it wasn't my sister, I would put something out. I use Indeed when I'm hiring, I'd put something up on Indeed and just very specifically say, I'm, I'm looking for a runner. I'll pay. I don't, even, I think really you could pay 10 or $15 an hour. I, I paid $20 an hour because I wanted to give her that rate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think I, you know, doing it now, if it was someone not related, it'd be $15 an hour. And um, that would cover costs because the skill level is it like a ten dollars an hour job, but you want them to be driving around and stuff. So
2: yeah, absolutely. And you recently um, started your own uh, construction business, right? With three, three people. Okay, Um, that is something that we all think about because one of our biggest struggles is finding a reliable general contractor. Tell me about how did you make that decision about quote-unquote starting a new venture?
0: It's something that I would caution people not to do too soon in their game. Like make sure you have the consistent job availability. But what happened was over the past, Two three years of rehabbing in Pennsylvania, I had one guy who was phenomenal. I loved him. He had a helper who was, you know, he could have a better helper, <laughs> but he was too, too nice to to fire his guy. And so I was like, man, if I could just get this guy and I gave him a better helper, a more effective helper, we could do even better. And then um, there was a third guy who worked with us, and and they those two worked on some side jobs together. And he was like, Josh is really great. I said okay, well let's do, bring him in too. So I had vetted these guys through a couple projects and then we put them together and I really like them because they already knew me. They knew my expectations. Um, I can, they have a brain, like they'll think things through. They won't, you know, like sometimes you hire a contractor and you're like, that needs drywall. And we're doing (laughs) an electrical work and they drywall before the plumbing and the
2: electrical work get done. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Yeah like, yeah, like installing installing a door in the bathroom but the door can't close because it hits the toilet so <laughs> yeah. it can't close exactly
0: Yeah, so yeah it, I know. Guys them. Are great. They don't do stuff like that
2: <laughs> um,
0: so but for me the big stress is number one you have to pay them every week so whereas with contractors that you hire out and they say it's gonna be ten thousand dollars to do this job for my guys if they say yeah we think it's going to be ten thousand because it's going to be three weeks or whatever if it takes them four weeks my job cost goes up yep so there's no none of that being able to hold somebody's feet to the fire with labor costs the second thing is workman's comp and general liability right. are astronomical so i think we spend twenty thousand dollars a year just in those two things
2: so wow. And what are the advantages, like flipping the coin on the other side, where are the advantages that you see about being your own general contractor?
0: Um, It's a crew I know, whose quality I know, and um, they're always available for me. Um, And I know the the quality level, Mm -hmm. but... More importantly, like the more we work together, the better we get at estimating costs and timelines. Like I was so excited because today I was sitting with my assistant running the numbers on a project we just finished. We had said it was going to be a three week rehab um, and our budget was going to be $30,000 and we were able to save on materials and we got it in under just under three weeks, like 2.8 crew weeks. Uh, so it was our first project where we have been under budget and on time.
2: <laughs> there you go. No, it, it, you got to celebrate those things. Those are. It's hard to get those yeah. both like Absolutely. under budget and on time. It's not easy. Yeah. Totally. Usually,
0: occasionally we'll hit on budget and on time or just like slightly over. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the first time where we've been, we were significantly under budget. I think we're at like 25,000 as opposed to thirty. So.
1: How do you keep, uh, how do you keep your team on schedule?
0: That is a great question. <laughs> <laughs> clear, clear communication with them, realistic expectations. Um, I sit down and I, I go through in my head, like, for example, this project, um, it needed paint and it was like 1600 square feet. And I just thought in my head, how long would I expect the paint crew to take probably about three or four days Um, Some light exterior paint, so like trim work and shutters. Okay, paints a week. And then um, kitchen and bathroom installs another week. And then flooring and miscellaneous other stuff another week. Like that's how we came up with three weeks. And in my head, I just said, does this seem reasonable knowing how these guys work and how fast? So, and we were right.
2: Awesome. I love that. What type of app or software do you use to communicate with them?
0: We, our game changer this year has been that we have moved into Asana. Okay. Asana has a Slack integration, which we, we're currently using Voxer. It's like a walkie talkie app to communicate in our team. But uh, I've been threatening to switch over to Slack for months. I just haven't made it a priority Um, because Slack will, what happens in Asana is you create a, a project. This is what I love about Asana you can create a project template if you're a pre- premier user. So we know when we put a property under contract, we need to do a walkthrough, create our scope, set up utilities, set up insurance, um, every property, right? And then we know for every contractor we have, we should be getting a W-9, a certificate of insurance, a signed lien release and, um, Scope of a signed contract, right? Mm-hmm. Every project, we should get this from every contractor. So we, yes. did, we created a template that every time we start a new rehab project, it just copies and pastes this template, and then we tweak it based on the project. But all the meat of it is there. So, and then even on the listing side, you know, the rehab might be different, but on the listing side, you got to get it cleaned, you got to get it staged, you have to have photos taken, you have to sign the listing paperwork, and then in the reply to inspections, you have this. And so, Asana's been a game changer for us.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's really neat. So, and, and you're, everyone on your team utilizes it. Is that, is that, is that correct?
0: I, I have a project management assistant. So she basically handles all the admin backend. Um, and then the, the lead of my crew, he's also in it. So, he, so we can show him where he's going. And if things come up, we can just add tasks like, hey, you need to put a handrail up, smoke detectors, fix this window at this project. And we assign those tasks to him every task gets a person and a due date assigned to it and then you That's can do a awesome.
2: that that sounds like music to my ears oh yeah, yeah. I, love I love that <laughs> in terms of in terms of like work balance um you mentioned that you do a couple of things in order to maintain your sanity you mentioned that you turn off your phone you mm-hmm. use google pause and boomerang mm-hmm. talk more about those three things
0: Okay, so I love leveraging technology to be organized because I love Mm -hmm. organization. I would say like full transparency, these past four weeks, we've been in a a bit of a shift inside my business. So I have not been great with the work-life balance, um, but I'm getting back to it. And before that I was really on a good pace. But Boomerang is an add-in for Gmail that allows you to push things to come back in your inbox later. So I sat down and I said, it's, it's unrealistic of me. Like, I don't want to be thinking about my private lenders every day of the week. Like, where's this loan at? And where's that? So why don't I just say Thursday morning is going to be the day I deal with financing. And so then anytime somebody sends me an email related to loans or lending or financing, I boomerang it to come in Thursday morning. So that was the first piece was was scheduling my week so that I focused on certain topics for a couple hours, you know, whether it's Finances or just admin or team meetings because I like to do one-on-one meetings and then having the appropriate emails come in on that, that day The second thing is pause which I just discovered recently and I wish I had before You know when you like sit down to get through your email and as you're you're in your email You're getting like 15 more and then you get distracted by those and then yep. just- <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like somebody Pouring water into a bucket with a leaking bucket to me um, <laughs> Pause is another add-in for Gmail where you can set your emails to only come into your inbox a couple times a day, and you pick it. So, like, I have mine come in at 6 a.m. Um, and then at 10 a.m. because usually first thing in the morning I'll set set aside an hour to clear out emails, and that way I'm just working with a finite number, and I don't feel like I'm losing. And then at 10 I'll get another batch in, and then I'll I'll have I'll set aside some top block of time, usually while I'm eating lunch, and then at two and maybe at 4, and then at like 9 p.m. So a couple times a day, my inbox will refill. Um, What was the third thing? Turning
2: (laughs) off your cell phone? Oh, yeah. That's hard.
0: I have three small kids, and they they do the thing like, Mommy, put your phone down. Mommy, and so it makes you feel guilty. I can't turn my brain off, but I found for a while I tried muting my phone. I tried putting it in my bedroom, and for some reason I just randomly find myself in my bedroom staring at my phone. It's like, I don't even know how I got there. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like an addict. You're like, I don't even know how I walk <laughs> there, and how I'm holding my phone. Oh, <laughs> I hear you.
0: <laughs> So, I, I have found I turn my phone off and I set my phone on the counter where my whole family can see it because then they help keep me accountable. But honestly, once it's off, it's like something in my brain shuts off and I'm like, okay. You can't even check it. It's not an option. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, that's it. very powerful. So you. So is that like in the middle of the day? Is that a certain time? What what rules or standards you have around that?
0: I do it from like five to seven because that's the time when I'm really. Or like four to seven. Usually, whenever I finish my workday, I try to turn it off. Interesting. Until seven, because that's when my kids are like. We do dinner or sports or homework, and then at seven, they're allowed to go on their gadgets. So it's kind of my hour break, seven to eight, I'll do a little bit more work and then turn it off again to do bedtime. And usually I try to keep it off for the rest of the night. But lately, I have to do more work after they go to bed. So
1: what are your wow. ages of kids?
0: Five, seven, 10.
1: Okay, so you're busy. <laughs> yeah. right. So where, where are you going next? I mean, you've been able to scale and double and just really grow us sounds like a really successful team and put some great processes in place. You're, you're doing it right. Like where, where are you headed? What's next for you?
0: Um, So this year we hit a hiccup with, with the rehabbing earlier in the year, just not having the right person in the right seat. That's my one big caution for everyone. When you grow is Mm -hmm. you know, I am, I Peely calls me the, the queen of systems and it's true. I have a system for everything, but the one variable that I can't control is the people like their work, you know whether they're the right fit, um, and every time I try to fit somebody into a role that doesn't align with their skill set, I pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> I have a really big heart, so I usually let it go too long. Um, so I'm I'm recovering from some bad rehabs earlier in the year, um, and then the wholesaling machine where I feel like we're finally humming there. Um, where I'd like to go next is doing instead of rentals, doing like a seller finance model, um, in properties where I live, there's some places where you can buy a house for like, say 30,000, maybe put 10 or 15 into it, but you could resell that to an end buyer for 70 or 80. So I'd like to get a piece of that.
1: Neat. That's exciting. That's really cool. It's, uh, and it, it's probably that whole idea of like perfecting what you're up to and, and, and you keep that moving and you keep tweaking. And then, you know, as you move along in this business, you start to say what, what's related, but maybe a little different and complementary, And then you just have to keep growing at a pace that works for you and works for your life and your family and all that good stuff. So it sounds like, it sounds like you're on that path. But um,
2: really, I want to
0: work less. That's what's <laughs> next for me.
2: For sure.
1: <laughs>
0: So that's I think that's the end goal for all of us right build this this thing that can sustain itself mostly without you that's that would be success to me
2: got it Becca what is the lesson that is taking you the longest to learn
0: oh you should have prepped me for that question yeah
1: that came out of nowhere that was a good Oprah one. yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> um I think the right people right seats uh that that has been and and the firing as soon as you start to feel it. Like I heard some really great, great quote that I wish I could remember right now, but it was like, by the time you start to question whether it's the right person, you already should have fired them. Like the first time you have that thought. So.
1: I've heard too, you know, for hiring and firing, hire slowly, fire quickly. You know, you should actually take more time, but actually people do the opposite. They, they fall in love with people, they hire them really quickly and they take much longer to fire them actually so that's the it should be the opposite
0: i hear that too but i don't think i feel like in our businesses where it's so small sometimes when you're when you have a need you have to hire fast so i think think more of it's like hire fast but have a bench don't stop the hiring process just pull that role always be looking for the next candidate in case it doesn't work out and if if it does that's awesome
1: that's a good point too
0: one who works for me hears this and thinks bad things. I love you guys.
1: (laughs) She loves you. (laughs) That's great. That's great. So Becca, how could the ladies listening to this episode where you've been so helpful and so insightful, how can they learn more about your business, what you're up to and just the really cool things you're making happen?
0: Um, I have, I mean, our wholesaling website is is b e k a s d e a l s -S 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 B-E-K-A-S-D-E-A-L-S.com. But I think the best way to see what we're up to is to find us on Facebook um, my company's called Laplace Transforms, L-A-P-L-A-C-E, Space Transforms. It's a math joke. I didn't realize my business was going to scale <laughs> when I first moved <laughs> my company. Um, and, and I have a Becca's Deals um, Facebook page, but it's, it's pr- public. But I actually just started a private Facebook page called Becca's Deals Undercover, where I do videos of us analyzing the properties. Like here's what's really happening inside that's of this. awesome. Yeah. I don't want the whole world to see that. But if you're really engaged in real estate and you want to know, like, why did I put this wholesale deal out there? Why did I think it was a good deal? And then I'll, on my handy whiteboard behind me, I run all the numbers. So
2: that's awesome. And Ladies that are listening to it, all this great information is going to be on our show notes, so you can go there and check it out. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. Are you ready, Becca?
0: Oh, I'm ready. Bring
2: it. All right. <laughs> the first one is What's the most transformational book you have ever read?
0: Okay, I have two. Because yeah. the first was When I Was Younger, The Fountainhead by Ann Rand. Um, And I think a lot of people who read that, especially late teens, early 20s, that was pivotal. Recently, someone for Christmas last year gave me this book called Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss. Have you read it?
1: It's awesome. I have it. I haven't read it yet.
0: Oh my gosh. It's awesome. It's essays from all these people who are like leaders in their industry. Tim Ferriss basically sent them all the same 10 questions and said, answer what you want. So Each person starts with a little bio and then it's like three or four pages of their responses. The thing I love about it is I'll read it while I'm like drinking my coffee in the morning. So I'll just read like one person. And inevitably by the end of it, I'm like super pumped up and excited.
2: (laughs) Great. The second question is what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life?
0: That's a good one. Um, I think there's a book called Profit First. And it talks about paying yourself first, which is, is really hard in the beginning when you're just getting started. But as soon as you can implement paying yourself for your time, do it. Um, and then in the morning, as far as like I do the miracle morning, I haven't done it probably for like two months, but I got to get back on it. Just taking some time at the beginning of the day outside of work to feel like I'm accomplishing something personal.
2: I see. The last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most?
0: Hmm. Famous? I think Oprah. Famous or not? She's awesome. Uh, In the real estate world, Melissa Johnson is my hero. When I first read the Flipping Junkie uh, blog, I was like, this person's awesome. I thought it was Danny. And then I met Danny and Melissa, and I realized that Melissa is actually the Flipping Junkie. (laughs)
1: Awesome. (laughs) Well, Becca, awesome. thank you so much for uh, being on our show and adding all your great insight and, and tips and tricks and just uh, and inspiring the ladies listening. And, you know, just being able to get into this business and with three little ones and make it work and grow it is just absolutely inspiring. So, so thanks for being on our show. Thanks for being who you are. And thanks for just, you know, you know being more another rock star lady in this business.
0: Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Thank you, Becca.
2: Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, thereestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes.